0: Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Hello, 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 I'm Polly, and this is the show where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy so that we can do the work that matters and create the lives we want to live. And today we're talking about the nature of knowledge. What is the nature of wisdom? How can we get it, use it, share it? We're getting into all of this with Donna Markova today. Donna is the author of Living a Loved Life, Awakening Wisdom Through Stories of Inspiration, Challenge, and Possibility. And more than a dozen other books, she is also a teacher, psychotherapist, researcher, executive advisor, Organizational fairy godmother and one of the creators of the best selling random acts of kindness series. Donna, welcome to the show.
1: Aloha and thank you. It's a delight to hear your voice.
0: Well, I think you are the first organizational
1: fairy godmother I've ever had on the program. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I guess it depends upon who hears it and what comes into their mind. But for me, an organizational uh, fairy godmother is someone whose focus of their perception, attention, and benevolence is on the whole, particularly the whole where people are working together.
0: I definitely need one of these <laughs> fairy godmother people. <laughs> Today, I want to talk about wisdom. And I was so moved by your book, Living a Loved Life. I'm still thinking about some of the stories you shared there. It really prompted me to think and feel about things in my own life a little differently. And that's always interesting and the mark of a good book, I, th- I think. You know, I, I wanna be different after I've read a book. But you are highly educated. You have your PhD, you've had all these life experiences and yet you relied on personal stories and the wisdom of your elders to share the lessons in this book, why did you take that approach? What What was the significance of this
1: to you? Well, I think part of it is I actually have two PhDs, um, although I don't usually even use one. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I use them. I use them both. I don't write one down on next to my name, except that they were very hard, uh, one um, studies, and one of them was primarily in. Um, of cognitive psychology and how we learn, and particularly collaboratively, how do we learn and think together? And the other one was in cognitive neuroscience, meaning how does the brain actually grow itself and organize itself to think? And those were two aspects that I was fascinated in and wanted to know everything there was that I could possibly know about it. And of course, there has been a boom since that time in in study and understanding what's called neuroplasticity, which is how the brain actually grows new uh, brain cells, et cetera, et cetera. So that's always been, I'm not quote scientifically um, by nature, by the nature of how my brain works. I'm not scientifically oriented because what is natural for my brain to do, is to think in stories. It's amazing that I've said so many words to you and a story hasn't come (laughs) up yet. But it's just my mind creates webs. And, you know, some brains naturally create straight lines and dots and some loops back to the past and forward to the future. Mind creates stories. And I believe that stories are the connective tissues between us they connect all of our experiences together and they connect one of us to another of us. And as far as I know, there has never been a culture or a time when there was not storytelling. So I don't have to practice storytelling, it just kind of comes naturally to me
0: it really has a profound impact there there's um it's riveting it's compelling right we we go along for the ride with you and yet in your unique stories the things you chose to share in this book we also see our own lives is is that just human nature or is that just how a reader a person who likes to read is wired they go looking for the story so they find what they need to find within it
1: um That's a great question. I don't think it's either or, actually. First of all, I don't particularly like either ors, but I don't think it's either ors. I think that um, storytellers are the software of wisdom. Oh, beautiful. uh, And stories are the software of wisdom. Whether you read them or whether you see them, um, they remind people of experiences they have had they create wonder in the brain, which is a wonderful thing for the brain. It's when it lets go of all its rigidity and fixed ways of thinking, and it, it opens itself up, you know, and it begins to metabolize facts and experiences and ideas. And that metabolic process, if you will, um, creates this sense of, wow. Uh, Wonder is kind of like the um, fairy godmother of curiosity uh, because curiosity can be mild or it can be intense, but wonder really causes your brain to suspend belief, whatever your beliefs are. Thus, um, many politicians that we're exposed to these days don't wonder at all. In fact, I'm not even sure they're curious. So that state of wonder is one that um, feels really good, if you will. And it connects what you have known in the past and what you have experienced to what could be possible in the future.
0: I'm so curious about this and interested in this because the way we're talking about it now, then wisdom is both essential to our experience or to our story. And it's also the outcome of our story. If we're paying attention, is that fair
1: to say? Well, well put. But not, yes, if we're giving attention. Okay. See, one of the ways that we have been misled by our language, particularly English, but other languages too, when you pay something, it's like paying a toll to cross from one side of the bridge to the other. Um, Attention is one of the most valuable currencies that the brain has, where you direct it, how you give it. Uh, what new cells are made. Um, So attention is a very uh, precious currency of the brain, of the whole neurological system, actually. And so it isn't something that you pay, but in school, we're taught to pay attention. And what that means is that limits attention to just one kind of linear giving of attention to one thing at a time. But creativity, on the other hand, Um, is a giving of attention to many things. It's a webbing. How does this connect to this? What if this did that, but then did this? Um, So it creates a larger, wider span of possibility than paying attention. And most of us are not aware of that. And so we are constantly captured. Our attention is captured into one thing, one program on the news or one thing that one person said in, in 20 minutes, there's one thing that your brain hangs on to or is told to hang on to, and your brain doesn't have the chance to get curious, to uh, examine, explore. Um, so uh, the, one of the things that we know, I think I can say that in neuroscience is that um, the wider your capacity to give your attention's to new things, the more um, growth there is in your brain. I call it neophilia, love of new things. Um, And so when, for instance, uh, my husband and I have a practice we do every Sunday. We leave the house, we get to a corner, and he goes first or I go first, and we say right. Then the next corner, the other one says left. Then right, then left. We go back and forth and until we we are someplace we've never been before. And that makes the brain come alive. And the two things we know that help the brain come alive are exercise and new experience.
0: My next question was gonna be, how do we start creating these webs? But then you're talking about welcoming novelty in and not only welcoming that, but deliberately seeking it.
1: Yes, and and directing your questioning to other people Um, with your curiosity in your voice, as to rather than what you do in school today, you know, um, what excited you today? Or, you know, what experience did you have that confused you today? Um, Where did you give your attention today? Um, What did you learn today? And what did you experience today? Um, What did you give today? To questions that aren't memorized but where there is genuine curiosity, and wonder in them, and you 'll create a connection, whereas what you learn in school today there 's no create connection created whatsoever
0: mm-hmm. in your book i um, and i 'm holding it up in front of me again i living a loved life The book really is about your the wisdom you learned from your grandmother and the way she approached the world and and the way you connected with her and it, it served you throughout your life and you write. Grandma says we all need to think with our brains, hearts, and bodies. Girls need to grow up to lead and boys to connect. Humans need to find ways to make possibilities from their differences, which I think is an important line for right now with where we are right now with the things happening around us in the world, ways to make possibilities from our differences. But it also kind of jives with what you're talking about, right? That that the differences then, the novelty that we judge as being right or wrong is really an opportunity to connect and grow and and learn and develop our own wisdom for future generations and for ourselves to lead and and go through our challenges now.
1: Exactly, exactly. My grandmother, who was one of the uh, wisest people I've ever known, um, and she was a midwife, Um, and a healer she never went to school a single day in her life and she had 14 children Um, she was an amazing woman anyway she would never you know like I saw other grandmothers pinch the cheeks of their kids that's not what my grandmother did she took my fingers one by one and she looked very carefully at each fingertip and then she kissed it and then she took another one and she looked at it And she kissed it. And then she said, um, and I'm I'm translating because she didn't really speak English. She spoke this mixture of languages that nobody could really understand. (laughs) In all the history of humankind, has there been another with marks like these? Mm. And never again will there be another with marks like these. Because they prove you are one in a kind. You are unique. And the world needs you. And the moment you were born, life made a promise to the world. Your job is to find out what that promise was and live it. So that's what she would say to me over and over and over again. and. Um, Decades later, actually, I had a phenomenal teacher whose name was Milton Erickson, and he gave me a homework assignment. I was very good at doing homework. I always did it. And it was to memorize my own fingerprints and draw them and learn to do that. And I still can to this day, although my fingers are more wrinkled than they used to be. (laughs) But I can draw each of my 10 fingerprints. But he was trying to teach me the same thing. So that reverence for ourself is not a fluffy, wuffy, whipped creamy thing to say, but the reverence for our uniqueness is built into us on a cellular level.
0: How do we know our promise? I mean, people spend their lives looking for this, right? Or trying to understand, and and we want the right answer.
1: How do we know? Well, it's a great question. Um, And it isn't actually our promise it's the promise life made Mm. when we were born because basically what she was saying was you are such a unique a a miracle of uniqueness all this how you where you were born how you were born the genetic material all of these experiences so my best way of knowing um of realizing this promise that is very difficult to articulate it took me 18 books actually (laughs) (laughs) and one is that um when i'm coming closer and closer to living the promise that um emanates from my uniqueness is that it literally energizes me i have more energy while i'm doing it um and if i'm so it's like hotter hotter colder colder if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, quote unquote, um, and, or off promise, then um, I have less energy and I get tired. And the Gallup organization actually did a huge um, research project um, on this, they called it signature strengths. Um, and, and that's as close to the, what my grandmother was talking about as I can find. Um, there, there are specific ways of thinking, let's say, um, in my way of describing it, it's with your head, your heart, and your guts, where it's just a yes inside of you. It may not be logical, but it's just a yes. When I tell a story, um, as if I've never told it before, I get a yes. I mean, I, I when I get off this call with you because I've been telling stories, my cheeks will be flushed. I'll be you know, fully awake even though I haven't had coffee um, it, because it actually gives my brain energy. And the brain is an energy drain. It, it sucks energy when it thinks. Thinking is the most um, draining thing that your brain can do or your system can do actually um, unless you are thinking in the way that generates energy in your brain. So the more aligned you can be with those particular ways of thinking, both head, heart, and guts that give you energy, the closer you are to living that promise of uniqueness that only you can live out.
0: Live the promise of uniqueness that only you can live out. We're gonna talk about how to get more into that how to discover our own promise when we come back in just a moment with Donna Markova. And welcome back. This is Polly Campbell. And you're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said today with author and teacher Donna Markova. And we're talking about living our own unique promise. And I learned about this from Donna's book, Living a Loved Life, Awakening Wisdom Through Stories of Inspiration, Challenge, and Possibility. What is the story you tell about your life or what stories, right? We're not one dimensional creatures. We have these vast experiences. And how do you glean the wisdom of your life and understand and process your life? I do it through writing, I do it through conversations like this and I have so many more questions for Donna. I wanna hop right into it. Donna, in the first segment we were talking about wonder and novelty and you have this beautiful scene that you write about in your book with your sister Joan and she was dying. And you brought her a lobster dinner and you touched it to her lips and you sat in that moment with her and you write about it this way. You said, giving what only I can give. I thought that was such a unique and beautiful way of saying that because so often in this world, I feel trapped by, well, who am I? What can I do here? What what can I do with my schedule or my money or whatever, but giving what only I can give, right? That's it right there. My unique talent can improve that situation or can enhance an experience for myself and others.
1: You know, it's interesting because when you talk about being trapped, my sister, um, who was seven years older than I um, am, was, have been. Uh, she was the big sister. She was the one who was always knew everything. Um, and she wasn't happy when I came along and was born. And she was always bossing me around and telling me what to do and drawing lines in our room so I wouldn't be on her side of the room, et cetera. So all the way through, and I always embarrassed her because she was neat and impeccable and I was always kind of sloppy, et cetera. We were very different. Later in her life, when she was, she had um, cancer, she had a glioblastoma in her brain and um, she lost her ability to speak. She lost her ability to take care of herself. She had a feeding tube um, and she was lying in bed with everybody waiting for her to die. And it took me a long time to figure out that she could, in fact, respond. People just talked about her as if she wasn't there. But I realized she could still blink her eyes. That was the only movement she could do. And so I would go through the alphabet and say different letters. And she would blink. And through that method, we spelled out what it was she wanted to say. And so she said to me, um, the first time we did it, what her blinking spelled out is, when will this ugliness be over? Her whole life was about art and she was very active in the Denver Art Museum. And so to her, this was the ultimate ugliness is what she was going through. Um, one of the things we shared, however, uh, was one of the few things that we shared. She had to share everything my parents were always saying as they do with an older sister, you have to share with your little sister. Um, but she, we used to love, both of us, lobster. And my father would take us to this place called Lundy's and order this big, huge Maine lobsters. So one day when I was alone with her in her house in Denver, I went and um, bought a lobster. And I bought a bottle of her favorite um, white wine that cost a fortune. <laughs> and, um, I brought it home. And um, I served it all up. And of course she couldn't eat, but she could still taste. So I put a bib on her the way we used to wear bibs at Lundy's. And I dipped the lobster meat into um, the melted butter and I put it on her lips so she could taste it. And she closed her eyes and the corners of her mouth tilted up And then I put my finger in her outrageously expensive Chardonnay wine and I put it on her lips and one tear rolled down one cheek and one tear rolled down the other cheek. And then I took the platter of food and I, so that she could see what I was doing and I threw it in the garbage can. And I took the very expensive glass of wine and I poured it down the toilet and flushed the toilet. And the corners of her mouth just twitched and twitched because for once, she didn't have to share Mm -hmm. something with me. Now, nobody in the world could have done that. Nobody believed that she was actually communicating with her eye blinking. Um, But that was a gift that only I could give. And that didn't come from having a PhD. And that didn't come from being a storyteller. That came from the wisdom of my experience with her from my heart my guts and my head. This
0: is one of the things that I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks after reading that. We sell ourselves short or we don't realize who we are just as we are. I have a a friend, for example, who's been going through a challenging time and people have been making meals and driving her uh, to appointments and doing things that uh, for various reasons I've been unable to do. And I felt, about that I felt like I wasn't showing up as a friend and I was hard on myself and and feeling sad about that and I read this in your book and I realized that what I can do is I can do the research that she needs to find her way through this situation mm-hmm. and I offered that and it changed everything because that's something I do in my job that's a skill that I have it's an ability I have to be able to translate technical information into written material It really made me feel good, but it it was good for our relationship, too, because I can bring that unique skill that others can't do. So it was truly helpful. Giving what only you can give. Let's do that today. Simply start today. Know who you are and your unique talents and the way of expressing humor and compassion and give that, and it is enough. We need to do that for each other in this world right now.
1: Well, one of the challenges we have, darling, is that From the time that we were educated, we were taught what we don't know. So you did a spelling test and we were taught to direct our attention towards our deficits. You got six wrong on the spelling test, not you got 24 right. And we were taught over and over again to focus on what we don't know Mm -hmm. and make that stronger. Well, most of the time, what we can do is make that mediocre. Not make it stronger. <laughs> right. So most of us don't even know. I work with CEOs and I ask them, so what are your what are your assets? What can you do really well? And they'll tell me about their companies and no, no, you and your thinking. And they can't tell me. They can tell me about the whole, but not about the donut.
0: Mm. That's a
1: good question. That's worth thinking about
0: today. Mm-hmm. What are your assets? What can you offer? to your family, to your friends, to the world that only you can offer. And don't play small here. Challenge yourself, right? Right. Because you have them. Donna, this has been a complete joy. Thank you very much for taking time. Where can people find
1: your book, Living a Love Life and more of the work you're doing? Well, it's on um, Amazon. It's in any bookstore. Um, And I have a website that's www. Donna Markova, D-A-W-N-A, Markova, M-A-R-K-O-V-A dot com. Pretty much anything.
0: Fantastic. Check out Donna's work and check out this book, Living a Love Life, Awakening Wisdom Through Stories of Inspiration, Challenge, and Possibility. The stories are powerful and you will see yourself reflected in these as well. Listen, one thing Donna writes in her book, she writes, We cannot get rid of pain, suffering, or sorrow. You just have to practice touching them with tenderness and caring. Remember what really matters while living in wide open wonder. I think that's important wisdom for today as we head through it into the next challenge and the next possibility. Thank you for joining me here today. When we live our promise, when we seek out novelty in our lives, then we, and contribute our assets and I think that changes the world. It will certainly help us all live well, do good, and be happy.
1: Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr.
0: Oh, this no, my, dad.
1: my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Dan- electric gas electric acid.